Okay, boys and girls, it's now time for Trexan Sci-Fi. Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you're about to hear another episode of Trexan Sci-Fi. It is January 10th, 2021. It is show 802. Yes, I am back uh, this week, kind of doing a, a very regular kind of a show, pretty much, I think. I don't know if there's regular <laughs> anymore. Ugh. Um, but, um, the, uh, the main topic for today, sorry, I got distracted there for a second. Somebody texted me, uh, is going to be, I'm going to cover, I, I was maybe going to be doing a, a Skype group show for this, but decided it would be quicker and simpler to just do it this way myself. Just me talking about the last several episodes a bit, um, and the overall season of Star Trek Discovery season three. Yeah, they just finished uh, a few days ago with the final episode of the season, which I did really enjoy. I really enjoyed the finale quite a bit. And I I thought this would be a good point to cover the season, talk a little bit about it overall, talk about a little bit of some things that happened in the last few episodes, and and just my overall impressions. I I have been enjoying Discovery um, all the seasons. Each one's been a little different and unique. They, They seem to be in this... You know, they're not, um, it's not like the older Treks, like, you know, TOS, TNG, even Deep Space Nine. All the Deep Space Nine started to get into, you know, story arcs and things like that, that even spanned more than a season. Uh, but uh, Discovery is its own thing, and I think that's a good thing, too. So um, that is going to be the main topic. I'll talk about some other stuff. Not a lot, really. Probably mostly Discovery. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so uh, sit back, relax, and here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. All right, I am back. Uh, hopefully, uh, well, this is the first chance I had to say uh, thanks, Vartok, last week for that uh, cool first part to your James Horner uh, musical extravaganza look. Uh, it's, uh, you know, Horner, I love his music, and the guy's done a ton of stuff. So we Vartok and I talked about it, and he decided we, we needed to split it up into two podcasts. So part one was last week. Part two will be next week. So, again, big thanks to Vartok for um, for doing that. Actually, he already sent me part two because he was uh, going off on a vacation. Uh, he's going kayaking in the Everglades, which just sounds nuts to me, but uh, – Plus, I don't know, is is Florida's weather really that great right now? I, I don't know. I know it's obviously warmer there than, uh, you know, I'm not a big uh, kayaking guy at all. So there. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Vartok, for that. Also, Happy New Year. This is the first, I think, um, let me think about this. Let's see. Vartok was last week. Uh, that was the third yeah so this is i think i think i said happy new year maybe on my vidcast that happened a little 
before the new year. But uh, formally, hey, happy new year. Happy 2021 to everyone. Uh, I'd always want to say also appreciate the uh, people supporting on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Treks and Sci-Fi. That's where you can find, uh, you know, ways to support the show, a couple of dollars a month if you'd like. Again, thanks to everybody that does that. Also, I'm still, I had this cold over the holidays, just a cold. And I think I mentioned it on the video cast a little bit, but it's still kind of lingering slightly. So uh, I don't know. I'm 99, 98, 97 or whatever percent better, but it's a little harder in the early part of the day uh, when I first get up, but it's not really much. But um, anyway, so hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is rested after the holidays, hopefully, and has been in, you know, probably now back to work or school possibly if you do whichever you whatever you do work or school or if you don't do either hey good for you um or lucky you or maybe not not lucky you i guess there are a lot of people still without jobs so i hope that 2021 is good for all of you that are listening so and if you ever want to contact me that's treksf at gmail.com so let's see what's been going on with me uh i'm still getting near the end of sorting all of my many, many, many boxes of comics. I've mentioned that I, it's been, I don't know. I think I started this mid quarantine. So maybe over the summer, maybe a little before that. Uh, But um, I'm trying to catalog, you know, a comic collection that I started. I started to to read and collect comics back. uh, I didn't do it super young. And I think I've said this stuff before. I was in the early, um, well, it wasn't quite college yet, end of high school, I guess it was. And so I've got, uh, I don't know, 10,000 comics, maybe, something like that. <laughs> it sounds like a lot when you say that. It's about, you know, 25, 30 of these long boxes that they sell to store comics in. My plan to save um, some space down here in the uh, in our basement is to eventually, um, once I get everything cataloged, to get a um, an indoor storage unit. You know, you can buy those or rent those storage units that um, you always see. There are outdoor ones, then there are indoor ones that are climate controlled, you know, that aren't exposed to the heat of the summer or the cold of the winter. I have collectibles and comics, uh, you know, paper products like that, books, comics. They're, they're going to get much more deteriorated if, if they get heated up especially um, heat. I don't think cold probably would be quite as bad for them. Moisture certainly would be bad and heat uh, especially. So I I think I'm going to be getting a storage unit to put the comics in and some other things that I, you know, some of action figures, stuff like that. Yeah. After all these years, I've kind of broken down. I've I've held off, um, but I think it'll be, they're not, uh, there's some around me that are not terribly expensive. Uh, I don't feel that they're that bad per month to to save me some working, you know, livable space here. I've also been getting um, hooked a little bit by Rick Moyer. I blame him, but um, I'm getting a little hooked on these new arcade uh, one-up games that are coming out. I've got two so far. I have the Star Wars one, uh, and also I have the... Um, uh, what, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I have Space Invaders. I bought the Space Invaders. So there's a couple more I'm eyeing. They're doing these digital pinball machines. 
they're not really mechanical like the typical old pinball machines you see you'll still see in arcades it's all digital it's basically like it looks like a pinball machine but the screen or the um the flat part that you would normally see all the little bumpers and the ball silver ball floating around is all digital um and that that's got a few benefits one it's cheaper is the is is a big one but then you don't have you know you don't have a lot of mechanical parts and from the reviews there's a there's a star wars one coming from the reviews i'm seeing and i and i think rick moyer's got this on order pre-order um the the gameplay feels very much like a pinball machine they have little solenoids that give you a little you you'll feel a little bit of like when the ball would hit something, the electronic uh, screen shows the ball hitting something. You will feel a little bit of something. So um, they try to simulate it digitally. So that those things look pretty neat. There's a couple of them. There's the Star Wars one. There's a Marvel one. Um, and, of course, Arcade 1-Up has got other machines out there, too. Regular um, stuff that, that looks good. There's a Pac-Man uh, Anniversary Edition that's got... I think Galaga comes with it in there as well. That one looks pretty cool. So I don't know if if I do get all this stuff cleared out of the basement or a part of the basement that's just been more storage. I have about my basement's kind of broken up into three sections. About two thirds of it is finished off um, by me, uh, which I did long ago. And one third is kind of more or less storage, kind of workbench area, that kind of stuff. That's the area that I want to kind of take back by putting some of this stuff into storage. I know this is fascinating, but I, I think collectors go through this. If you're a really big collector, you know, I know Kenny in California, I, I don't know how he does this, but I think he has most of his collection, which is a lot of stuff in, in I think he's mostly got it in one room, maybe a couple now he's moved, but I've, my stuff is sort of bled over now into a little bit into other parts of the house which it, it, the the rule has kind of been keep it all in the basement. You know, we're lucky in a way, I think in in Michigan, most homes built have basements. It's 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 a long-standing thing here. Uh primarily, I would say historically the reason they have basements here is we we are in a a, a state or I am in a state that has tornadoes and 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 weather like that. Typically, you will find in states that have that, the plain states and that, they will either have some kind of a shelter, um, a storm cellar or something we'll call it, or, or a true basement. Um, we're very flat. The, the um, you know, in Michigan here, it, the, it's a very stable um, land, you know, and all that. The, the biggest thing basements can have problems with is water. Um, and if you have a bad flood or you, you can have leaky basements if things aren't done right, we're knocking wood, we're we're pretty good. Our basement's pretty solid. So, uh, but, um, but anyway, so that adds a lot of ability to have, you know, what I have set up, you know, a finished basement, TV down here, all my computer stuff and everything, collectibles and so on. So, all right. Uh, that's probably enough about that talk. Let's see what have, let's go through what I'm currently watching. Um, still working my way through Sabrina, um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I think, is the official name on Netflix. You know, it's an okay show. It doesn't thrill me that much. I, I it's, it's okay. And I, so I only watch probably about an episode each week. Maybe I'm probably going to watch one tonight. I think I'm narrowing. I, mean, I think I'm nearly done with the second season. 
or part they call it on there. And I, so there's a part four that just came out over the at the end of the year. And I think that might be the end of it. So I have two more parts to do about. So I'm about halfway, almost halfway through. But it's it's OK. I think the main actress is OK as Sabrina. She's sometimes I don't know. I, I don't find her particularly compelling, I guess. Uh, you know, I think she l- looks the part, fits the part pretty well. The one thing about Sabrina that I've found is that uh, they don't really do a lot of, for being witches and stuff and warlocks or whatever, they don't really truthfully do a lot of magic. <laughs> There's some, but but it really isn't a big part of the show. It's more about the drama um, you know, Sabrina trying sort of straddling this line because she had a, uh, a, a human, one human parent and one, um, uh, parent that was a warlock. Her father was, um, I think that's right. Yeah. Anyway, so she's a half blood or whatever, half breed in a way. Um, and so that's her, her struggles with her friends that are, that are just regular mortals or whatever, and then her witch friends and things. So she's she's caught between two worlds. It's a typical kind of story. But um, so let's see. What else am I watching? I'm still working my way through the feed on Amazon Prime. Eh, that show's okay. Again, it's it's not one I'm really rushing through. Um, but um, but it's yeah, it's okay. I, I started a, a couple of other things. Alice in I think it's called Alice in Borderland. It's an Asian show on Netflix. Um, it's kind of a gaming-related thing. I've only watched, I think, the... I only watched the first episode of that. So I've got to get um, going more on that. It was interesting so far. It's kind of like people sucked into playing this game, kind of. Um, I, I don't... I can't say a whole lot about it yet because I've only watched one episode. Uh, I'm really enjoying the the current season. I think it's season five, right, of The Expanse which is also on Amazon Prime. Great show. I've mentioned it many times. Um, I'm also watching um, this new adaptation of The Stand. On It's on CBS All Access. I think we're up to episode four of that, I think. Uh, it's okay. It's a little hard to watch. You know, that story is... Um, oh, well, that book came out quite a long time ago, and they've done... They had another mini series they did uh, on it uh, on TV years back, uh, and it, it's a little hard to watch though because it's essentially about a global pandemic that kills pretty much the whole planet except for about one percent of the population. So, and then there's other things, of course, going on in it as well. Um, obviously, watched and finished up Star Trek Discovery, which we're going to cover here in a moment uh, in in detail, and in uh, in a, in a, in a Slipping in some movies uh, a bit. I watched that George Clooney. Um, what's it? What's it called again? <laughs> I don't know. The most recent one that came out on Netflix, kind of about also an end of the world kind of a uh, of a situation um, where he's a, a. I guess he's an astronomer. Um, it's pretty much just him. Well, no, that's not completely true. There's others in the movie. Um, oh, I watched last night. I watched this movie uh, that just came out. Uh, it's kind of a pay per view thing right now. Uh, Voodoo and other things have it. It's called Shadow in the Cloud. I think that was the title with Chloe Grace Moretz. Is that how you say her long name? Uh, she's um, it, it's set in World War Two. It's basically sort of uh, that same premise, a little bit a blend of Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet, 
uh, that old Twilight Zone episode, along with a few other things. She plays, um, she's in the military. She ends up on this bomber, um, and, and then crazy things happen. It, it revolves basically around the story that uh, pilots had back in the day during the war especially that gremlins that that creatures would would get on the planes and and mess with them and mess with the the planes and and there's more going on in it the interesting thing i thought about this movie it's pretty quick and it, and it's pretty action packed truthfully too so if you want a 90 minute you know f- kind of fun ride roller coastery kind of a popcorn movie uh it's pretty good but what i noticed about it when i was watching it and i i was going to look up when it was filmed the movie is done kind of differently. Uh, for example, her character spends a good part of the movie down in the, uh, if you're familiar with some World War II bombers and things, they had that lower um, bomb, not bomb, uh, that lower gun area on the bomber. I forget what it's officially called, a uh, lower gun turret or something like that. So Chloe, uh, Chloe's character spends a good part of the movie, probably, I don't know, it was maybe about half of it, basically down in there and communicating with the rest of the people on the on the bomber that um, she's communicating them with the um, via the radio. So basically, I'm, as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, huh, I wonder if they filmed this during some of the pandemic because these characters, the, there are scenes where there's people that are together, uh, but most of the movie, there isn't a lo- whole lot of like people like, in the same room or right next to each other as much as typical movies. So I, it made me really think, is this a pandemic movie? E- even that um, Midnight Sun, I think is what it's called, that George Clooney movie. It just popped into my head. I think that was what it was called. Um, but even that movie, it's it's pretty much Clooney in a lot of the movie, you know, by himself pretty much, more or less. I don't want to say too much. But anyway, um, yeah. So that's the kind of stuff I've been watching. Oh, uh, also uh, for the Nathan Fillion, you know, Firefly Serenity fans out there, I've watched for the last few years. I think this is its third season. Um, this show, this cop show that he's on called The Rookie. I probably wouldn't watch it at all, except Nathan Fillion. I, I'll watch pretty much him in anything. I, I enjoy watching him. Uh, he, he's always fun to watch. I, I liked Castle a lot. I watched that, even though I would say it kind of got a little uh, repetitive at times and a little, you know, it was, it was going on a few too many seasons maybe. Um, but anyway, the rookie came back, uh, and he plays this rookie cop, obviously by the title, uh, and not really sci-fi except for his connection to things like Firefly, but, uh, that's a fun show. Uh, it's also, yeah, it's a little over the top in a way, you know, how it's any, any police or medical drama on television is always, you know, well, we've got to solve all this stuff in 42 minutes or whatever. So it it's, you know, there's no way police and, and, and medical things happen that quickly. Uh, I, I wish. All right. We're almost 20 minutes in. I'm going to take a short break. Um, and I, when I come back, I will dig into talking about Star Trek Discovery. I think we're going to, they had 13 total episodes in season three. I think I found a good point to start. Um, I, th- I think we're going to start with episode eight, which is called The Sanctuary. I'll run down uh, uh, real quickly the whole season, but we've talked a little bit about some of the earlier episodes before. So I'll be back in a moment and we'll dig into uh, the later part of season three of Star Trek Discovery. 
Hi, this is Ashley Victoria Robinson. I play Ensign Williams on the Red Shirt Diaries web series, and you are listening to Rico on the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast. All right, I'm back. All right, let us get into um, Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Uh, as you guys all know, I've I've enjoyed the uh, I've enjoyed Star Trek Discovery since the beginning. Um, probably each season, I feel maybe I've gotten to enjoy it a bit more. I think uh, the characters are are I think good. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of complaints online of the series. You know, people complain about Burnham. They complain it's too much melodrama. She cries too much. A lot of this kind of jazz. I don't know, as is very well known, and I've said many times over the years of doing the podcast, Star Trek's a very much a reflection of of the times. Uh, you know, we're, we're living in, uh, I think it's an understatement to say difficult times. <laughs> I think uh, I think the fact that you have characters that show a lot more emotion is not, uh, I mean, it's. I don't think it's really a bad thing. Uh, I... I it makes sense to me a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it. Is it a little sometimes too much? Maybe, you know, these people are supposed to be highly trained Starfleet officers. They should be able to kind of control themselves, maybe under stressful situations a bit more, but they've also been put through the ringer. So, um, just, I, I guess I'm, I'm okay with it is all I'll say. And you guys, it's all up to the individual, what you think. Um, let us run down all these sort of interesting titles of the season. So the show came back on October 15th. The hope, uh, uh, that hope is you part one, um, was the first, uh, episode. And the weird thing, this is really weird to me. All right, let me just give you all the titles. So that hope is you part one, and they've sort of brought it full circle because the last episode was called the hope, is that hope is you that's hard to say that hope is you part two get it so they did a part one <laughs> first episode which was basically burnham and book meeting up and all that and then the last episode but i i get now why they did it like that and it makes sense but it's it's just sort of weird there's a star trek trivia question what 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 series of star trek and what it, what were the episodes called where the a part two did not immediately follow a part one uh, that'll be a future trivia question. Um, then they had an episode called Far From Home, People of Earth, When we Went Back to Earth, Forget Me Not, um, Die Trying, Scavengers, Unification 3, which is a really good episode, um, The Sanctuary, which I think is the one I'm going to start on, um, Terra Firma Part 1, Terra Firma Part 2, Sukal, There Is a Tide, and that That Hope Is You Part 2. The last three episodes basically were kind of a, a full arc. Um, story. They basically broke up the season finale in a way into three episodes, you know, very connected to each other. Um, what else do I want to say? Oh, obviously I should say here, spoilers. If you have not seen this season, if you are not, if you're not fully caught up or anything, um, so it just, you know, come along and, uh, or not, <laughs> sorry, you might want to wait or come along if you want to listen that's up to you guys. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's, uh, we're going to be talking about these episodes in some amount of depth, uh, but, um, yeah, so you've been warned there. Spoiler warning, spoiler warning. Oh, red alert, red alert. All right. Um, 
The episode uh, that I was going to start with, The Sanctuary, this episode essentially was going back to Book's homeworld to um, kind of essentially rescue it from Osira, the, uh, you know, head of the uh, Orion Syndicate or whatever it's called, Orion, what, what is it called? The Emerald Chain. Yeah, the Emerald Chain. Yes. Um, she is an Orion. She's she's the leader of the Emerald Chain, which is basically the the opposition to the kind of putting itself back together, putting itself back together, Federation and Starfleet. So um, this uh, episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes, who apparently has a, a bed and a and a and a little place he just sleeps on set because I don't know how many he's directed of Discovery now, but he's done pretty good. And I mean, he's great. Jonathan Frakes is a, is a very good director. He knows Star Trek. He knows these actors. So I'm all for and and I I noticed that this season and it's been true with Discovery, but. They have a basically a, a group of directors that they seem to be using. It's not like every episode they bring in a new director. And that makes sense. I probably don't really, honestly, with other television that I watch uh, or series, I probably don't really pay much attention to directors on them like I do here. But I think uh, with something as specialized as, as Trek, I, I think for them to have a regular group of directors that, that direct um, and the same thing was true for Picard uh, as well. You know, I think this makes sense that they do this. Um, but this episode, I, I, I really, really like the character of Book. Uh, I think he was a great addition. Uh, I think it's really interesting how he has this ability with, you know, animals and nature and this this sort of um, symbiose, symbiotic kind of situation relationship. Uh, I thought at first he was just going to be sort of like this scoundrel, piratey, mercenary kind of a character, but he, he turned into a much more than that. Um, most of the season, you know, has been trying to search for information about the burn um, that um, because really and it's it's funny to me that it took discovery, although considering discovery can jump all over the place with their spore drive. But even the end, the burn was about 100 years ago. It, it took, um, you know, Discovery to show up to basically find out what, what caused the burn and to basically uh, stop it, you know, from happening again. Because uh, to me, you know, these people are still using dilithium. And if it all went boom 100 years ago on ships, I, I'm like, I, I, I've said it before, I wouldn't be too, too thrilled with using that still on my ship. Um, it's basically flying around with a bomb potentially going off. So um, the other thing about this season that I, I I'm going to just talk in, in general terms for a little bit, the um, we didn't actually learn a lot about the, the 30, are they in the, you know, 3000, whatever the 31st century they're in, I guess 30 something or the other. Um, we didn't actually learn a lot about, you know, and, and this makes sense because, the Federation is still kind of messed up. And I think we're going to learn a lot more in season four, which is confirmed. They are filming it now. Um, it's happening. So all you doubters of discovery, you know, keep doubting or keep knocking it. I don't know how you're still knocking it. Are you still watching it? Why are you still watching it? If you don't like it after four seasons now or, or three uh, that have been aired and a fourth one coming, I, I don't get the, you know, just move on, find something else to watch. 
Um, but um, I think we'll learn more about what's going on with like the Klingons. We we heard zero, right? Pretty much of the Klingons. Did we even see one anywhere? I, I don't know. Did we see one in any of those market scenes in some of the early episodes or on that slave camp that books got stuck on? I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I don't think we did. Or the Romulans. Uh, you know, we learned quite a bit about the Vulcans, what's going on with them. Um, creeps left the Federation and all. But um, the um, uh, but anyway, uh, so we're going to learn, I think, quite a bit more about um, about them. I also have a little bit of a thought on the spore drive thing. I mean, they've, they've got warp drive back, you know, good. You know, they've got um, they have uh, figured out the burn problem and all that. So, you know, they can still get around the galaxy pretty well, uh, or at least the, the quadrants of the Federation and, and things. But I, I kind of like, even though I'd like Discovery to be the only one that can jump around with their spore drive, with what happened in the last episode, and I'll talk more about that when we get to that, um, I, I don't see why it so would be so hard, especially with the technology of the 31st century. An Osiris scientist that still seems to be around, they should be able to basically replicate the spore drive and put it on another ship. I, I, I you know, with programmable matter and all these things they have now. I, I get that they want to make keep discovery kind of unique, maybe, but it's a little, little having trouble, a little suspending disbelief on that particular moment. I could get it back when it was first done in the in you know when where discovery's era and time frame came from. They obviously in all the other Star Trek shows that came after that, they never used spore drive. It was never talked about. You know, there's got to be a reason for that. But by the 31st century, you know, uh, I think I if Discovery, let me put it this way, if Discovery continues in this time frame for fourth season, fifth season, whatever, I'm going to say and predict right now that it, it will be really surprising to me if they don't eventually have, you know, all of Starfleet the, have the ability to jump and have some kind of a spore type drive. I, I think it would be silly and ridiculous if that doesn't happen. Um, it, it really makes sense. So, um, at least to me, but that's a side point. All right, let's get back to, so this was a good episode. I like sanctuary. I like seeing, I like getting background on the book character. Um, he runs across what his brother, right. In this one. Um, and yeah, so that, that was good. Um, I like, uh, I like the way this one turned out. Uh, I think they did, they did a good job. Um, they didn't really want to probably talk a whole lot about this one. Um, but, um, but yeah, yeah, I think it was, it was well done. Um, I want to play, uh, Discovery does do like, Hey, here's a preview for what's coming ahead. You know, they don't show these at the end of the episodes. You know, they don't show these at the end of the, you know, they don't put them on CBS all access. I don't think, uh, but you can find them on YouTube. So the next episode is a two parter. Uh, did my voice just crack there or whatever? Uh, what am I, 13 years old? Uh, I was almost going to say I wish, but no, I don't want to be 13. A little younger might be okay, but who wants to be 13 again? Ugh. Um, Terra Firma, part one and part two. So let me pop over on YouTube here and find a preview to uh, Terra Firma. Ah, boy, just really can't talk. Terra Firma, part one. 
uh, from Star Trek Discovery. This episode, this was the ninth episode of the season. They had 13 total. This one first uh, aired on uh, December 10th. So check this out. Maybe we'll find something that can help you. The needs of the many must outweigh the needs of the one. Will you really be able to let her go when it comes down to it? Fight me! You want honor? It's out there. You knew this would happen to her? Our future is spot prison. Is this the cure? This is my chance, and I'm taking it. All right, so there was a trailer to the episode uh, Terra Firma Part 1. So... I really like this. This is a two. This is a two-parter. Basically, Giorgio was was having all these problems this season. <laughs> problems. <laughs> that sounds funny. Uh, what what it turned out to be is um, again spoilers or whatever. Uh, you guys have been warned. Uh, essentially, what 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 they said was Giorgio, of course, is Mirror Giorgio, right? She's from the Mirror Universe. So they, they make this explanation. Dr. Culber, I think, is the one that does it, which is um, – and I was okay with this idea. So everyone got shot forward, you know, 800 or whatever, whatever it is, years into the future. Plus, Giorgio is from uh, an alternate universe, an alternate, uh, you know, mirror universe, right? So they, they basically said because she's both displaced out of her own time and also out of her own universe – this caused her body to essentially started to more or less break down and and it couldn't exist in our you know in that time frame in that dimension or whatever so there there didn't seem to be any way to stabilize her or anything like that um i believe they used it was the sphere data that they've got which I, i'm liking the way they're slowly integrating that into discovery uh more about that in a little while but um so they find this place, this planet, and 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 essentially they're they're said, hey, this place. If you go here, um, this this is the only place that could potentially help Giorgio. So they beam down. Uh, it's uh, this icy world, icy planet. Uh, the cool thing about this is, <laughs> and I never realized this. You know, I'm thinking of like what happened in like Star Trek, uh, the last Star Trek episode, uh, Star Trek. Um, uh, original series cast, Star Trek VI, for example, but this is the actual first time in any series or movie that they filmed with um, real, real weather and real snow. And I, I think it was really effective. I, I really liked it a lot. Of course, I live in Michigan; <laughs> we get a lot of crappy weather here. But snow is 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 you know I hate I hate winter and I hate snow. Truthfully, for the most part, although sometimes it's pretty. My big thing that I always like to say is I'm good with winter if it was about two or three months long, not six months of it like we have here. But um, so there, there's a good another trivia question for you. But this first um, first episode is basically Burnham um, and Giorgio deciding to go down to this place, and they eventually run into this guy, this older guy sitting in a chair, pretty much in the middle of nowhere, um, and he calls himself Carl uh, and. In in like he says he can help her, and he uh, he creates this essentially like he he opens a or, or there's a door that appears like this door just a regular door frame kind of a thing in, in the middle of this 
big, big, empty outdoor, you know, expanse of snow and ice and everything. And he says, if, you know, I don't think you, I don't remember if he exactly says, if you go through this, this, this will take care of you. But essentially it's her only chance at, at, at surviving. So he, uh, he, he, she, she, of course decides Giorgio, you know, and, and, uh, Michelle Yeoh, is that how you say her last name? You know, she's fantastic as Giorgio. I, I love watching her. I, I find it incredible, this little, little woman, you know, physically. And, uh, like, I've I've seen Sonequa in person, uh, and Michelle Yeoh looks about the same size. I mean, they're, they're, they're not very tall physically or very imposing, you know, in terms of their physicality. But, but uh, you know, Giorgio, you know, she she'll scare you i mean the way you know she acts and and her demeanor and all that i mean to be able to excuse me to command that when you're of that you know that size you could always believe like a big klingon like wharf or whatever you know is pretty intimidating physically but um but Giorgio is is just she's just the best way i can say it is she's a badass so uh but here she's she's kind of falling apart and uh and Burnham, of course, really cares about her still. Um, I think a little bit of that is because she still sees her as, uh, you know, almost the 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 Giorgio that she was under um, her command. You know, in the in the in their previous, you know, the the prime universe Giorgio, and and also she she kind of more or less saved Giorgio, the mirror universe one. So you know they've they've gotten quite close. So I really like this episode, this two parter. Although I thought, you know, essentially the second one, which I'll talk about here in a minute, um, I don't think I'm going to play the trailer for that one, but it, it puts Giorgio back in the mirror universe. And she gets to deal with uh, Michael Burnham, the, the mirror universe Michael, who's a nasty piece of work. And, it, and the point of that, and, and I guess we'll, we'll segue over to, to the, the part two of this, is that... Um, the uh, the point is is that the whole point that I can see is that this showed how much Giorgio had changed. Um, you know, her time in the Prime Universe with Prime, you know, Burnham and the whole crew of Discovery has really changed her perception of things. You know, in, in the second part, she is in Terra Firma Part Two. You know, when she's there. It's very much like the Mirror Mirror episode in a way uh, of the original series because this Giorgio has become much more, um, she's not as, I guess, as evil. <laughs> I mean, as violent, as evil. She's not out to have slaves and kill everyone. She takes sympathy on the Kelpians, um, the, the Saru character in this universe. They're basically slaves and they even eat them and stuff, So, which is gross. <laughs> I've never thought like, it, like, okay, being nasty is one thing, but but eating other beings like that, would you really do that? I don't know. I'd rather have a good steak or something. I mean, intelligent beings, I should say, but animals or whatever. But um, all right. So, but the but again, the whole point of this was to show how much Giorgio had been changed by being around this Michael our universe and all that stuff. So I thought that was really good because, you know, Giorgio was still pretty much clinging to her kind of badass ways. 
and it came in handy a number of times really to have her around um but but then at the end of the end of the part two uh, you know you can see how much she has changed and and the big reveal here there were two possibilities with this carl character one that he was a q he was some kind of a q character um but the other one rumor go around and this had to do with a little bit with he's holding this like old time newspaper um and there are people who had screen capped and and there are some headlines there but it turns out that carl is none other than the guardian of forever from the original series city on the edge of forever from that episode somehow he has the ability to move where he is from planet to planet he talks about the temporal wars and and uh a bit of um, you know history there i thought that was pretty cool i i was okay with it um would it have been more maybe better and more interesting if he was a q or different i don't i don't know which way i would go um but i i think it was a good use of the guardian it, it showed the the immensity of the guardian's power really it also showed it kind of was a good explanation for you know even if they could keep the guardian forever a secret if the, if the Federation and Starfleet could keep it a secret, that that's a very dangerous weapon to have around, right? You know, if you can go back in time and change the future uh, that drastically, like McCoy accidentally kind of does with Edith, Edith um, saving Edith Edith Keeler back in the 30s, you know, just think of what an enemy civilization could do to history if they could get a hold of that. So um, even though there's bunches of other ways to time travel in star trek you know uh and has been they haven't always had to go back to use the guardian when they needed to time travel so um but yeah this was a good two-parter uh really showed up Giorgio, and at the end she goes through this guardians you know um she goes through his gate uh which basically will put her i'm assuming she's back in you know, where Discovery's time frame was where they left. I'm, I'm assuming she went back. Now, did she go back to the mirror universe or did she go back to the prime universe, but just back in time? I'm kind of thinking she went back to the prime universe. There is this talk out there. I don't know if it's, I mean, it's, it's official, but there hasn't been a lot of talk about it. Um, there's supposed to be a Section 31 show with, with Giorgio being in it um, as part of Section 31, as you saw her a bit in, season two right of um discovery so will this set that up um you know when she jumped to the future i thought oh how are they going to do that star trek you know section 31 show uh i'm not i'm not super excited frankly for a section 31 um i've never really gotten a big you know kick or thrill out of this subverted version or piece of the federation or starfleet whatever that's this spy group a little doing kind of underhanded things in a way um it depends on how far they push it you know a little bit uh but we'll we'll see how that works out uh i'm not sure where she ended up um who knows they don't really they leave it pretty vague um and uh yeah we'll we'll see it see what happens all right let us move on to the next all right after this we got into the final three episodes of the season which were basically one long arc starting with Sue Call, um, who is um, this character that they meet, this Kelpian. And uh, yeah, let me find the trailer for that uh, on YouTube, and I'll play that for you now. Here's the trailer to Sue Call. Captain, the Kiev, there's a life sign. Someone is alive inside that ship. We need to set course for the Veruba Nebula. 
Keep an eye on your radiation levels. We'll still need to be back in four hours. Whatever answers we find, I just hope they're enough. A ship approaching. She's got weapons locked. Ready to jump. No, we can't leave them. All right, so there you go. There is the trailer to uh, Sukal, which is episode 11 of season three. This is written by Anne. I haven't said this for all of Anne. Cofill Saunders, directed by Norma Bailey. Um, so Discovery, through a lot of data they've been gathering over the year or over the season, um, they have discovered that inside this nebula, they've been tracing to basically the start of the burn. Um, there's this nebula excuse me, and they start, they, they get this signal, there's a signal coming from it, and it's basically, uh, they get this message, they find this message from a Kelpian, uh, there's a ship that was in there, approximately uh, went lost in there about the time when the burn happened, like a hundred or so years ago, uh, there's a Kelpian they get a message from, a woman captain, uh, I guess she's the captain, I don't know, I don't remember if that came out exactly, but um, the, um, so they're, you know, they get permission, uh, you know, they, they jump to this place. It's very difficult to traverse into there. There's a lot of radiation and things like that. Um, but they make their way to um, the wreckage of this ship. And the what they, they decide they have to, you know, go check it out. Um, they put Tilly, uh, Saru decides it's got to be Saru Culber because he's medical, of course. And Burnham, of course, because she's Burnham. <laughs> So it's Saru, uh, Culber, and Burnham that are going to beam down. Saru leaves Tilly in, in charge. Uh, uh, you know, he had made her his acting first officer a while back. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, so they beam, beam down. And the, the, the interesting thing that really happens here, a big part of this, you know, the last three episodes here, is that uh, Vrubin Nebula. It's always inside of a nebula. A lot of nebulas out there. Uh, but anyway, when they go beam down to this place, to the ship, essentially they they beam down to the ship where the signal's coming from. But they find they're in this weird um, cave system, very dark, very um, kind of scary. And the big thing that happens is all three of them, Burnham, Saru, and Culber, all find when they beam into there, that they're they look different. Um, Burnham, Burnham, and Culber not too much. Uh, Burnham is a trill now, uh, and and Culber is a uh, what is Culber again? Uh, let me think here. Hang on a second. I gotta look it up. Oh yeah, of course. Culber is a Bajoran. He's got the little nose thing and got an earring and all. Um, but the big change, the big, the big one is, is Saru, uh, isn't a Kelpian anymore. He's human, which allows Doug Jones, the amazing Doug Jones to, for the first time, I think in, in, uh, I don't know if he ever played a background character. I think he did maybe, uh, possibly in, in one episode without all the Kelpian makeup on, but he gets to play Saru, but without all of his Kelpian makeup on. Um, it's really interesting to watch too, because, he still sort of moves a little bit like Saru. He has a certain kind of walk a bit. Um, but I really like that touch. I thought it was interesting. And what it turns out to be is that this this poor lost Kelpian who's been stuck there, who was just a little boy when uh, the ship crashed, um, has been living on this place 
surrounded in this basically computer-generated hologram, uh, keeping, um, you know, having, like, if you're a gamer, like, NPC characters, you know, keeping him company, keeping him alive somehow. Um, one thing that I didn't quite get out of this, it's not a big deal or understand completely, was... You know, the big problem with, with being down there is this radiation situation. There's a lot of radiation. Um, the, the ship is kind of shielded and all. But the three of them, Culber, Burnham, and Saru, all start getting pretty... They, they mention that they, all, they, don't, they can't spend much time down there or this radiation will basically kill them. Well, how come Sukal, you know... What, did it have to do with all this talk about the dilithium and how he's somehow connected to it? And did that keep him alive? I don't understand why the radiation didn't just kill him. I, I never really quite figured that out. If maybe they they said something, maybe Culber said something or theorized something. I, I don't remember, but it was one thing that was bugging me throughout this last few episodes of the season. Like, why is he alive? Why? Why? What? What's kept him alive all this time from all this nasty radiation? And of course, they just arrive when the ship is kind of failing and falling apart. Um, you know, if they, if they had been there much later, they, you know, he would have died. Um, but, um, so they've got this guy, uh, Sukal that they run into who has been, of course, he was a boy when his mother and he was left alone here, stranded essentially, um, for decades and decades. And he's a little bit, of course, messed up in the head. And they have to be very delicate with him because what they find out is <laughs> what they find out is that ah Sukal caused the burn because somehow he has he has sort of become linked to the dilithium and there's there's this talk in the I think it was in the last episode of this trilogy uh, finale that you know he's somehow there's a subspace component now to dilithium and he's somehow connected with that it's all a little bit of uh, uh, you know, techno babble in a way, but because of his being terrified and, and so alone and so distraught over when his mother dies approximately a hundred years ago, he sends out this shockwave kind of using, you know, the dilithium that's on this planet um, that creates the burn. He accidentally, through his grief of his mother's loss, so I'm kind of rolling through these episodes in a, in a, in a, mixed way because it's kind of hard to talk about him separately um and i'll talk about the osiris stuff here in a, in a few moments but the um <clears throat> you know so this sukal character un unknowingly accidentally uh caused the burn because of where he was and and how he becomes somehow connected to that lithium i mean it's it's okay as an explanation um I guess there was three ways they could have gone with with what caused the burn. One, it was an enemy that figured out a way to do it and and to mess with the Federation and Starfleet. Um, and not just them. Truthfully, any ship out there running on dilithium would have exploded at the time. So that's a little dangerous. There was talk in the early part of the season that, well, maybe it was Romulans because they, I don't know if they use dilithium because they use quantum singularities to propel their ships. So who knows? So either an enemy did it um, it was a natural occurrence, something that just happened, um, which probably wouldn't have been as interesting. They like, you know, oh, you know, dilithium just occasionally does this and figure it, they figure it out or whatever. Or this, an accident, basically an accident, something happening 
through the cause of someone or, or, or whatever. Maybe somebody was messing around with that lithium. So, you know, I, I guess overall, this isn't a bad way to do it. Um, this holographic life that he's sort of living in Sukal, you know, I thought that was an interesting idea um, because, you know, they touched on this in Star Trek uh, throughout its time. I'm actually reading Ready Player Two right now. If you guys know the first book uh, and the movie, the idea is in the future living in kind of a virtual world. So when you think about it, um, you know, there, there's sort of an appeal to becoming lost in, in a uh, uh, an artificial world that's created. And especially a young child would, you know, think it's real, would think it's real. So they, you know, they wouldn't know anything differently, right? This, this is just how they were, you know, how they grew up. So there's a lot of time of, of kind of treading on thin ice with Sukal and, and, and dealing with him and that. So, all right, let us move on. I don't think I'll play the middle trailer. There is a tide. I'll play a trailer to the last um, part two of this, or part two, the, the, that hope is you. So um, the the so the so out of this trilogy, to give you the, the breakdown, and you guys, if you, I'm sure you've watched it, so you know what I'm talking about. Sukal basically dealt with Sukal, the three um, people from Discovery, dealing with him on the planet. The second episode in this final th three-episode arc for the end of the season, there is a tie dealt with the Osira. So basically, um, Osira, you know, has been tracking Discovery, wants to get a hold of um, their the ship, the spore drive, because she knows that that's a, a big weapon to allow her to just jump, you know, to anywhere in the galaxy and have that technology and have that ship would be a big benefit to the um, Emerald Chain. So that's the second episode is basically about um, about her taking over Discovery and all that. And then um, and then the last part, that hope is you, part two, is, is resolving everything. So let us play that trailer and I'll come back and talk about the how this thing all wrapped up and what I thought. Let's take back this ship. Let's go. We're gonna have to fight until our last breath. Federation is done for. We must take a leap of faith. It's okay to be afraid. I want the Federation obliterated. Whatever happens, we are together. Your friends will be dead within the hour. This is what's called a no-win situation. I don't believe in those. All right, uh, let's see. That Hope Is You, part two, like I was saying earlier. I think I'm dialed up kind of loud on this. Uh, I'll talk a little <laughs> less loudly. Um, so, you know, Osiris sort of taking taking over Discovery. The uh, I forget exactly where this breaks, you know, the break points between this episode and the second one in this final three arc. But um, I'll just talk about some key things that I thought so. I really did enjoy the the, the negotiation situation, you know, uh, the negotiation that Osira and Vance, Admiral Vance, who was like, that guy's great. I, I, I'm really hoping he's around a lot in season four. I really like his character. He was kind of a jerk at first, of course, <laughs> the way he was dealing with Discovery, but you kind of understood. But I, I, I like the actor. I like how he deals with Osira. Um and, and I think it was one of the best ways that they've ever shown and kind of trying to show a negotiation 
in Star Trek. I think they did a good job. I like the fact that Osira was pretty sincere, and she really did want peace. She wanted to come to some kind of a mutual understanding, uh, um, you know, between the Federation and the Emerald Chain. But then when he basically says, well, look, okay, we can do that, but you're going to have to pay for your crimes, you know, essentially slaves out there and terrorizing the galaxy and everything and all the all these other crimes she's essentially committed. And, and she was like, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to be held responsible or I'm not going on, on any kind of trial or anything like that for, for what I did, you know, basically to help her people in wartime. And, and she's a nasty piece of work, truthfully. And you really see that come out more in the last episode. Um, she kills Rin, you know, the Andorian guy that was helping discovery out, which was, it was a shame. And who I did find out the actor in, is um is married to Tilly in real life. So that was pretty cool, I thought. Oh, by the way, the last episode was written by Michelle Paradise, uh, who is one of the executive producer people, I think. Uh, and she, uh, I think the, the last episode really was good, wrapped things up well, uh, and directed by uh, Alatunda Osanami. I, I don't know how to say it. I slaughtered that guy's name. I apologize. Um, but he has done a lot of directing and, and been part of Discovery, I think, since the very start. Um, so w- what the last episode really was, was was you had, and I, and I like this more than when they keep things separate, honestly. Um, the first uh, of the three, uh, the three parts, basically, the first part was was mostly just, you know, Sukal on that place and all that, a little bit on Discovery still. And the second was was basically discovery, the the crew there getting taken, you know, taking the ship by uh, Osira, breaking basically her getting into Starfleet and, and all that. And uh, and then the last wrapped it up, which was jumping between what was happening on Discovery and what was happening uh, with Sukal back on on the planet that they were on, um, with the the ship the Keyleth or something like that. So. The last episode of this, of course, it's the finale, so it's exciting and there's a lot going on. But I like it when it always reminds me of what Star Wars has done a lot, especially in the last episodes of the trilogies where they bounce from, you know, one location, one thing going on to another. And they jump between two or three different things happening all at the same time. I've always liked the way shows and movies when they do that kind of thing. Um I just, it, it, it always, to me, it, it shows that life isn't just in your, what's going on around you, that there's other things going on everywhere simultaneously, right? So, although that can be a little um, tricky, uh, I'm going to do a quick segue. You know, they're doing this new, um, the Stephen King, the Stan thing I was talking about earlier, uh, and they're, they're jumping in that show, they're jumping time. You know, they'll, they'll show they're, they're, they're bouncing around instead of a linear story. They're essentially filling in some of what, some of the character background when it comes up. Like, uh, I think you guys understand what I mean. And while that's interesting, I'm more a fan of when they, when they just show stuff like that's happening right now. Um, I think in a, in a book, you know, I think, you know, the book was linear, you know, time-wise instead of jumping around. I, I think you have a harder time doing that in a book than in a movie or TV. But um, anyway, so 
the last uh, episode. A lot of a lot of cool stuff happened. I, I I will say I think this is my favorite season finale that they've done. Um, even though they crammed a lot in this last episode, and I think it was a little longer than their typical episodes. I think it was definitely I think it was like an hour. Um, I don't have the real let's see total airtime here for the episode, but the it was definitely longer a longer episode than the other ones. Uh, but because they had three parts to kind of set things up, it didn't feel quite as packed as, as especially season two's finale to me. Um, but, um, I liked the way they handled everything. I really liked what, what was going on in discovery, especially Sukal in, and back on, on the planet was okay. It was mostly just, you know, essentially trying to convince Sukal what reality really was and for him to drop the holographic program and then basically convince him they need to get out of there and uh and i think they handled that pretty well i need to get some tea hang on but um excuse me sorry about that um the but then the the stuff on discovery i found more more fun and enjoyable and interesting so it was essentially booker and, and and Burnham pretty much trying to take the ship back. Uh, but you also had the bridge crew and Tilly coming up with this plan. You know, <clears throat> Burnham had jettisoned uh, uh, Stamets off the ship so they couldn't jump, right? It, it, she didn't want them to be able to jump. And so, she, you know, she got Stamets off the ship, which was a heartbreaking kind of scene because he was very worried about Culber, you know, uh, there on the planet and didn't want that to happen, you know, and all that. So, so Osara takes, you know, warps the ships trying to get back to, um, the nebula where the dilithium is and all that. So the bridge crew decides, well, what if we, you know, I think they're, they talk to, or Burnham gives them the idea truthfully, but if they can knock out one of the nacelles, if they can knock out the warp drive, they'll drop out a warp and it'll stop them. Although, to build a little basically explosive to do that. Um, they realize somebody might die doing that, uh, <laughs> that thing. Uh, and then the little sphere data is in these little robot guys that, that repair discovery. They kind of help out. Uh, what all during that stuff, um, Osiris is slowly uh, pulling the air out of those decks where the crew is. I, I, I kind of, one, one thing I noticed about that and, and, I don't know if they're all on, it's a little hard to tell they're all on this deck, but if you've got programmable matter and maybe she shut a lot of other systems off, but I wasn't, they have this one little like oxygen mask thing. It's like, couldn't they just get a bunch of those? Like, like I, I grant you eventually you would need a full spacesuit or something. If all the air is gone, um, you know, unless you had a perfect seal or something on that around your mouth and face and everything. But, uh, it was, I, I guess, on a, on a ship, on a ship that's a starship that's out in space. I, I, I would have thought that they would have had more emergency oxygen around for things, right? It's the it's the biggest problem you'd ever possibly have, right? A little l- lack of lack of uh, life support. I know it makes it more exciting, and if they could all just walk around with a, you know, some kind of tank of oxygen on, it wouldn't have been as big of a drama, right? I, I get it, I get it, but. I, I bring these things up sometimes and it's not, I'm not trying to nitpick, but I would just like a throwaway explanation like, oh, she's dis- disabled the replicators or, or locked out all the emergency oxygen cabinets wherever they're kept or something. I, I don't know. Um, 
just something to make me like buy that they couldn't do something about that you know anyway so so then the you know you got a multiple things going on you've got um uh, you know what's going on on, the, on with Sukal? You got the, the stuff going on with Discovery. There's a big, big, you know, kind of movie level fight in, in the Turbo Lift. This is funny because Chris and I were talking about this, and I've talked, I've seen other people comment. There's a few little weird things in this. One, that even though it's cool, a cool scene, uh, Book and Burnham are fighting these bad guys as they're going through the Turbo Lift areas of of Discovery. When they show the turbo lift, it's like there's just vast gaps and like emptiness, huge amounts of space in Discovery where there's just nothing. Like, that's not true. I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. It's a ship. It's compact. Turbo lifts travel through little chutes and things and, and like... Uh, you would you would you would have a shaft, like an elevator shaft, either perpendicular or, or up and down or whatever, you know what I mean? Like you might have a shaft, but you would never have these vast, oh, literally like uh, like you were flying in a plane at areas of emptiness. It's cool. I mean, they kick a bad guy out at one point, and he just falls down, like, and he can scream even to, and it's like, it just doesn't work for me. But uh, it's it's not a big thing. It was a cool scene. <laughs> the best line is, "Grudge is a queen," because <laughs> the one of the bad guys I think says something about. Um, booker's cat and like you don't mess and, and talk about booker's cat you know so uh grudge yeah uh anyway uh but then you have a final fight with osira in the computer core i think it's the computer core yeah and um yeah and with osira and uh burnham of course you've got to have the the top the top bad guy and, and burnham fight it out and and eventually osira gets shot uh burnham gains control of the ship again and, and all as well um they uh they they need to get to uh they still need to get to the nebula and i thought this was a really cool idea they use booker with his ability to sort of communicate with with nature and animals and plants or whatever he, you know of anyone on the ship he ha you know he should be able to maybe interface with the spore drive um and so he sticks his hand in the little goo goo and they're well, they're <laughs> they're trapped because they get pulled into Osiris' big mothership thing, whatever it's called, doesn't matter. And uh, so, the only idea that they have basically is, well, let's see if we drop the warp core out and set it to blow up, uh, you know, we 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 can stop these guys, but we'll we'll die too. But we won't die if we jump out, um, because they don't need the warp core to jump drive, right? To use the spore drive, it's they're two separate systems. So a very cool scene, of course, they dumped the warp core and, and, you know, Burnham's like, okay, book, let's, let's jump black alert and all that. And, um, and then at the, of course, at the very last second, they get out of there at the very last second, they get everyone off the planet, um, off the derelict ship. They get, um, Burnham, Culber, all of them off of there, not Burnham. She's not down there anymore. What am I saying? Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's all these last, at the very last second, things happen, of course. You know, it's like that uh, old trope of, you know, there's a bomb that's going to blow up and the guy cuts the wire at the, like, with one second remaining or two seconds remaining. Um, but one of the, a couple of big things that happened that I want to comment on, um, when they do regain control of Discovery, Tilly realizes she's not really ready for command yet. 
And I thought that that was a good moment that she realizes Burnham is really more suited to command, um, that they'll follow her. And even though, you know, she went off and was insubordinate, like, what, five times this season? <laughs> pretty much throughout the um, uh, the series, pretty much. It started even in, like, what, the first episode of, of Discovery? But um, I think Star Trek has shown over the years, and it, it's, a, it's a bit, you got to kind of take it for what it is, but I, I like it. The captains, the, the leaders in, in Star Trek, uh, you know, even Picard, who's probably the most by the book one of, one of any of them, they've, they've always basically shown that you, you've got to be willing to go color outside the lines, go beyond, maybe disobey some orders. Uh, maybe do things a little recklessly, maybe do things that are unexpected. But that's, you know, that's a captain, that's a leader, and and and, and it gets the job done. And, and there's a good scene uh, near the end of the episode where Vance basically, Admiral Vance brings Burnham in, and he goes through the story about his daughter and says, you know, my daughter does math, but she doesn't do math like I was trying to teach her, that she that's the, the usual way. She does it her way. But, but she gets, gets it done. She gets the job done. And it was a nice little analogy. And essentially, he was pretty hard on Burnham throughout this season. But he realizes that Burnham is unorthodox, that she bends the rules, breaks the rules. But she gets the job done um, each time. And, and essentially, Saru's off with Sakal back on Kelpian, Kelpia, whatever it's called, their planet. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's bad. Uh and uh, and I'm, I'm I'm sure that's not a permanent thing. He's going to be back, I'm sure. But but the um, Vance decides, and Saru also agrees that that Burnham should be captain. She should captain Discovery. So the the episode ends with her walking on the bridge. They've all got these fancy new future the the kind of uniforms they were wearing at Starfleet uh, headquarters there. Of the, you know these sort of they're mostly kind of a gray color, but they have swaths of color. And they use the color scheme from TNG where red is like command, you know, yellow is like the, the engineering slash support staff, um, green or bluish or whatever is like the sciences. So, um, so Burnham is captain, captain, captain Michael Burnham, and they're all there and they're all going to follow her. And he, they even still have the, uh, the scientist guy left, um, who's played by Kenneth Mitchell, who was a, Klingon in the first season, he has ALS, the actor does, and and they figure out a way to incorporate him into the show. You know, he played this scientist that was sort of working for Osira, but now, you know, maybe he's going to be around next season, uh, either helping out Discovery or the Federation. I would love that. I think it's great that they, they figured out a nice way to integrate him into uh, the show. That that was great. So, yeah, I got, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at my time. I'm like, what are we, an hour, 10, 15 minutes in? That's probably plenty. Um, but yeah, I really did like season three of Discovery. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think um, they do interesting things. I hope uh, the way things are, the way they leave this at season for season four, they're going to become kind of the ambassador out there ship of running off to planets, getting them dilithium. Uh, getting them things and supplies that they need. Discovery can jump, of course, still. I've already talked about that. I, I do think that, I hope, <clears throat> excuse me, that they do have other jump-capable ships, spore drive ships at some point. That would make sense to me. 
Um, I hope we have more individual stories next season rather than a big arc or another big bad coming in. Um, I, I, I think we need a break from that. Each season's been kind of like that a little bit. Um, this season wasn't really too much. I'm like, you know, Osira and the Emerald Chain came in, but they kind of came in towards the end. And, and, and while they did kind of mess things up, um, oh, by the way, I, I thought the, the fact that when, when Osira has discovery and they're inside, you know, that little shielded area where all the Starfleet ships are and they're, they're all firing on discovery and discovery is somehow not disabled, you know, with all these other ships attacking it. I, I, that was a little hard to, to buy truthfully, because I mean, come on. I, I mean, 30 other ships are pounding on discovery and they can't disable the ship or the shields and discovery still manages to get out of there. That, that doesn't really track for me. Um, that, that ship is, is good. The best thing they should have been able, but they couldn't because they didn't have stamets anymore would be to be able to jump out of there. Um, you know, they have upgraded discovery with, you know, 31st century technology, but all those other ships have got 31st century technology or even better. So, um, but it's drama. It's Star Trek. It's fun. I enjoyed it. If you're, you're still, uh, well, I don't think anyone listening is probably not enjoying discovery. I don't know why you'd be listening. Uh, I still see a lot of like people saying, Oh, it's crap. It's trash. I'm like, again, I've commented on this many times, but I'm like, fine. If you guys don't like it, don't watch. But I, I, I st- like give it a rest. It's like, and I don't want to really talk about politics. I think we've all had enough politics. It's it's like, guys, this other guy won fair and square. Get over it. <laughs> there, that's all I'll say. And you guys know what I'm talking about in the United States. It, j- just just grow up and get over it. So you know, if you don't like Discovery, fine. Get up and grow over it. Get o- get over it and and watch other things if you want. But let us enjoy what we enjoy. So, okay. Um, is that at leaving? everyone on a happy note i think so (laughs) i hope you guys enjoyed this sorry my voice is a little bit still not quite what it should be i hope that wasn't too much of a distraction uh next week as i've already said we are going to have uh, part two of james horner and vartok here uh talking about the more music of james horner which is great uh thanks vartok again for that i'll be back in a couple of weeks my plan in a couple of weeks was to cover um we are going to start getting some new shows coming back. Um, CW shows like this new Superman series. Uh, the Flash will be back. Batwoman, if you're interested in that. They're having a new Batwoman actress this this year. Ruby Rose quit the show. Um, those shows are all coming back. Riverdale, not sci-fi, but, but goofy fun. Those things are going to be back in, over the next month or so. So my plan in a couple of weeks is to kind of cover, hey, what's coming in the next couple of months. Um back on on television that's probably what i'm going to do unless something comes up in the meantime or i change my mind always my prerogative since it's my show so hey again thanks everyone for listening really appreciate it i'm going to get out of here get this edited put it up uh on online uh everyone take care of yourselves stay safe i hope some of you have already been vaccinated i figure i'm going to be last in line (laughs) so i don't fit any of the categories I'm not even old enough, believe it or not. Yeah, even Rico, the the the, the godfather of podcasts, so many many spin-off podcasts. Um, yes, I don't I don't fit any of the categories. I don't have any pre-existing conditions. I'm not a medical person. I don't I, nothing nothing works for me. So I I'm gonna be I'm gonna be last. <laughs> so and it's okay. I I totally fine. Whatever. I'm waiting, staying safe, wearing my mask. 
um, mostly working at home anyway. So, all right, everyone, take it easy. Be careful. Be safe. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Uh, new year, new president. Uh, I'm looking forward to all of this. So uh, take care of yourselves. Talk to you again soon. Bye. Action.